I, I will make it as interesting as I, as I can. But if you're joining us for the very first time, uh, welcome here and you're uh, joining us midway in the series where we look at the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, and so in order to get ready for Easter, because Easter to us is the center of the center of the center. It's the reason that we do everything. The cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, is uh, central to what we, what we believe. And it's quite frankly the reason for our existence. So we want to get ready for that. By, uh, and we've just been looking at different uh, things that have happened in Jesus' life leading up to the cross. So we started on Sunday by talking about Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem triumphantly, welcoming people in. Then we came to Monday. Monday is the day where Jesus cleared the temple. Tuesday, Jesus spends a predominant amount of his time teaching. And we talked about the idea of Jesus being challenged on Tuesday. Wednesday rolls around. Not a lot of happens on Wednesday, except for one pivotal plot point, and that was... His name starts with a J. Judas makes arrangements to betray Jesus. And then we arrive to Thursday. And Thursday is a little bit of a different day, especially Thursday evening, because from Thursday evening all the way on to Friday and Easter itself... You can almost kind of picture it as one massive event starting on Thursday evening. Uh, so if you remember the story, if you remember what has happened so far, is, is that Jesus is doing his, uh, he is having a Passover meal with his disciples. One last meal before he, he uh, goes to the cross. And if you're not sure, if you've never heard of a Passover meal before, it's the day... It's a celebration where the, the Jewish people celebrate the, how God overthrew the Egyptian over army. Jesus has uh, just finished washing the disciples' feet. He spends a considerable amount of time teaching the disciples about the end times, about Jesus coming back or the Holy Spirit. And then towards the end, he talks about the idea that he will betray, be betrayed. And this is where our story picks up. I'm actually going to start in verse 31 today. It says this, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And then this is where our story picks up, and this is where I want to focus on today. Peter answered, Though they all fall away because of you, so if all the disciples fall away, if they all just kind of do their own thing, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. We're all familiar with this story. But listen to what Peter says after being told that he uh, will rebuke Jesus. He says this, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. You know what this is? This is, like, this is what I call Peter's big moment. And this, uh, you know what I mean by that is, is that you and I, every day of our lives, when we come to our, uh, when we live out our relationship with Jesus, it's 
fairly routine, isn't it? So you get up in the morning, maybe you do your chores, you have breakfast, you get the kids off to school, you go to work, you come home, you have dinner, you do whatever you do in the evening, whether you do some sort of activity, uh, some social activity, maybe you go to youth group, maybe you do 4-H, maybe you do sports, or maybe you're there with the family, you, go, you do that in the evening, then you go to bed, and then you do it all over again, day in and day out. Your relationship with God is fairly routine in the moment, right? In other words, you do the same thing day in and day out all the time. But then what winds up happening is once in a while, a big moment comes along. A moment where you are tested and tried, and you are asked to stay faithful to Jesus, or you're not faithful to Jesus. This is Peter's big moment. They're describing, Peter's describing what he would do in that big moment of faith. Where he is being forced to decide whether or not he will die for Jesus or he will run away for Jesus, from Jesus. And he says, you know what, Jesus, here's the thing. I know that you say that everyone's going to leave you, but here's the truth. The truth is this, is in that moment, in that big moment of faith and testing, where I am forced to uh, decide whether I'm going to die for you or live for, or deny you or live, I'm going to die for you. That's what he says, right? He wants to be faithful in that moment. And you know what I've understood is that all of us, uh, all of us will eventually have those big moments of faith. And what I mean by that is like, you will go through most of your life, doing the routine thing, getting up and going to work, taking the kids to school, going to sports games, going to school, listening to the lectures, taking care of the farm, all that kind of stuff, you day in and day out. But what will happen is that at some point, you will face a big moment. A moment that you are put pitted in between following God and not following God, between being faithful and not being faithful to God, and it will be a defining or life-defining decision for you. It might not have to be to this extreme. It might not have to be that you are uh, that you might die for Jesus, but you actually might come across an issue where you will suffer for Jesus in a big way. Maybe you will be put into an issue where the big moment or for you will be that you're kind of going along and you're doing your business, uh, your entrepreneurial business or whatever, and something comes along that puts you, in, put, puts you in a spot in life where you have to decide whether you're going to be faithful to Jesus or close your business. Or maybe it will be something a little bit less than that. Maybe you'll have to be faithful to Jesus and risk losing a relationship that you care about. Or maybe it'll be something less than that. Maybe it'll be something like going to school and admitting that you're a Christian, knowing that you might lose your friends and your, your status among there. All of us will, in fact, come across a time in our lives where we have a big moment, and that in that moment, we're going to have to decide whether or not we are going to be faithful to Jesus or not faithful to Jesus. And this is Peter's big moment. 
Peter's big moment is to say, when the time comes to give my life, I will give my life for you. And I think that every single one of us kind of echoes Peter's, or Peter's heart here, is that you and I, when we are put in a position of great uh, testing, whenever that testing comes, whatever it is, we want to echo Peter's heart. We want to be the people that say, no matter what happens, I'm going to be faithful in those moments of persecution or suffering or losing my business or losing my family. I want to give my all to Jesus, right? Amen? Amen. So, the question that we have to ask today is, like, when those big moments of trials come... How are we to be faithful to Jesus? How are you and I supposed to be faithful to Jesus in those big pivotal moments, crises of faith things that happen? Well, I guess the, I'm, what I'd like to do is I'd like to read to you what happened to Peter after he did this. And then I'd like to, uh, I'd like to share with you just two observations about how you and I can be faithful in those big moments of faith that we will come across. So what happened to Peter? Well, after declaring that when the moment came and he would die with Jesus, Peter did three things. He fell asleep, he cut someone's ear off, and he denied Jesus while wanting to follow him from a distance. Okay? So let me explain a little bit about what's going on, and then I'll have some thoughts about this. So the first thing that we notice is that after declaring that he will die for Jesus, Peter falls asleep, praying. How many of you uh, would want to admit that, you know, you have occasionally fallen asleep praying? Like, yeah, okay, I, I have two once in a while. Well, Peter does this at a very crucial time. After, after the garden, it says this in verse 37. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled, this being Jesus. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. That's what he told Peter and the other, the other disciples to do. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed and said, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I will, but your will be done. And he came to the disciples and he found them what? Sleeping. And he said to Peter, I want you to highlight that. He's, he's, he's singling out Peter in this case. So you cannot watch with me one hour. Why did he single out Peter? Because Peter was the one grandstanding, right? He just finished saying, Jesus, no matter what happens, I'm going to die for you. And then he goes and he goes and this is what happens. Jesus says, listen, I need you to watch. I'm feeling very sorrowful. I need you to watch. And, and pray, well, I'm going to go over here and pray, so I don't have to be worried about that. And then he comes back and finds Peter sleeping, and then he calls Peter out. Says, really, Peter, you're going to die for me? You can't even stay awake. Going on, it says, watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father... If this could not pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. 
Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Okay. So what is happening here is very interesting, just so you understand, is, is that Jesus is uh, the greatest thing that I would say is that Jesus' biggest battle uh, that he's facing right now isn't actually in the moment of the cross. It was to lay down his will, knowing he had the option of bailing on the mission for which he was sent. Okay? So at any point during the whole crucifixion story, Jesus could have called call on the angels and they would have rescued him. And so what you're seeing here is Jesus is really wrestling with that. Do I take the easy way out or do I not take the easy way out? And he's praying. He's praying, God, I don't want to do this, but if it's your will that I do this, I do this. Okay? Jesus was disturbed in part because of knowing the physical horror that awaited him at the cross. He would, have, he would have crossed over, as he's going over to the garden, he would have crossed over the book, the brook Kidrion. And it would have been maybe a full moon. And he would have seen, I've said this before, so that there would have been over 250,000 animals slaughtered over Passover. So much blood was spilt during Passover that there was literally a river of blood coming out of the temple. Jesus would have saw that, knowing that that kind of fate would have rested him on the cross. Jesus would have been also distressed at the spiritual horror awaiting him on the cross. Jesus is standing in the place of guilty sinners, and he would have endured all the spiritual punishment that you and I have deserved. And so what he does is he calls his three closest friends and ask them to stand and watch. Stay, stop. And if you want to get a good picture of standing and watching, it's not the idea that you're kind of like standing and watching like you're scrolling on your phone or watching. It's kind of this idea like, I need you to stand and watch like a soldier. I need you to make sure, I need you to see who's coming. I need you to be on the lookout because I know that they're coming and I need to, I need to spend some time praying. I need you to do this for me. That's what he was asking you to do. So he wrestles with God three times, and then he finds Peter sleeping. Moving on in the story, Peter decides to cut someone's ear off. He says this in verse 47. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great uh, crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one that I kiss is the man, seize him. And he came to Jesus and said at once, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on him and seized him. And behold, one of, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said, put your sword back because into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And then lastly, Jesus, Peter decides to follow Jesus from a distance. What I mean by this is uh, Peter wants to be in a place where he doesn't want to flat out deny Jesus because he is following him, but he doesn't actually want to publicly acknowledge him either. When I, when I was in... Uh, 
junior high, when I was in high school, uh, there was no junior high. I went from grade 7 to grade 8, and that was a big, scary place. And so when you're in grade 8, and you're in this high school with grade 11, 10, 11, and 12s, you want to hang out with people that know you. Well, on my first day of high school, uh, I tried to fit in with some of my old friends, but my old friends wanting to be cool and hang out uh, with their new friends denied knowing me. Right? It's a similar but way more serious thing than just not being alive in high school is that Peter is doing the same thing. He's wanting to be close to Jesus. He's wanting to be there, but he wants to, but he denies that he knows him. This is what it says, all, skipping down all the way to verse 69. It says this. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You were with Jesus the Galilean. But what does it say, church? He? Before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. Right? You know, as I was reading the story, and uh, I was going through it, and of course you know the story is, is he will deny Jesus two more times. The rooster crows and he recognizes that and he goes and weeps. And I was sitting there and I was real, realizing this is that if you know Peter's story, you know that eventually Peter does actually make good on his promise, does he not? All the disciples except for John were martyred for the faith. Tradition tells us that Peter was actually crucified upside down, I believe, because he was not, he did not consider himself worthy to, uh, to die the same way that Jesus did. So he eventually made good on his promise. He eventually, yeah, that promise that he made way back at the Last Supper, where he said, listen, I will die with you, Jesus, he did do that. In that big moment, when that moment of faith came, he did do that. But not right here. Not right now. And as I was reading this, I, I realized this crucial thing is that in this moment, if Peter had to sacrifice his life for Jesus, there would be no way Peter would die for Jesus if he couldn't be faithful in the smaller stuff. What were the smaller things that he was going through? He was told to pray, he was told to stand with Jesus instead of fighting for Jesus, and he was to, and he, and he, but he had an opportunity to ally with Jesus, say yes and with Jesus, and he never did that. There would have been no way that Peter could have made good on his promise. In order for Peter to be faithful enough to die for Jesus, he had to be faithful in the smaller stuff. Okay? And that's what I'm going to say to you and me today, is that there are two things that I see in this story that will help you and I when we come to the moment, when we come to those big moments of faith, those big things that try us, that are life-changing, life that are... Uh, crazy and all that kind of thing in those moments. Here's what I'm going to say is that in order to be faithful in the big moments, that. in order to be faithful in the big moments, we have to be faithful in the smaller God moments. Right? So, those areas of the faith where you and I, if we ever want to be the kind of people that you know stand up for Jesus in the midst of persecution. And have that kind of faith, or, or suffering, or someone comes and threatens a relationship or a business, and we want to be saying, oh, in those moments, I want to be faithful to Jesus. you got to be faithful with the smaller stuff that Jesus has given you. You see, my, you see friends, I believe this, is that every, in every situation that you and I face, I think that there is a test and a temptation. Okay? 
The word temptation in the Bible is kind of a, a busy word. There's a passage of scripture that says, uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face temptations of many kinds. Other translations will say, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And so what you see there is that temptation is kind of a busy word in that it's the same word, but it's used to describe two different things. It's used to describe a temptation and a trial. And I believe that every situation that you and I find ourselves in, the mundane ones, the big ones, the small ones, uh, whatever goes on, there is a test before us and a temptation before us. Consider Jesus in the desert. Okay? Is that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in order to be tested, but Satan went out there to tempt him. I believe that what winds up happening is that you and I are faced with a test and a temptation. Okay? God tests. It means, what is a test? It's, by the, it's the means by which the quality of anything is tested. So you don't just go to somebody and you go, say, this is a gold bracelet, and you take their word for it, you test it, you apply physical pressure. You do something to that. And so that you know and you understand, when you get married, you make public commitments. And that's not a test. That's fairly easy, isn't it? You get married, you have a nice celebration, you probably look the best that you ever have in your entire life. You eat food, and, you, and your dad pays for the entire meal. That's great. That's not a test of your vows. You get up, and you make your vows, and you declare that you're going to love a person forever. You know where the test is? Taking out the garbage for them. Right? That's the test. Right? The test is stay, that's the and the test I would say here is that am I going to stay true to the commitment or sorry following the marriage analogy the test is to say whether I'm going to stay true to the commitments for better or for the worse we think it's a headache and sometimes I actually think it'd be worse than a headache but that's the test when you know you are going to stay true to your vows or not and I really mean that as I see I've married quite a few people now and they all get up and they all say. I'm going to love you forever, I'm going to die for you, and then a year or two or three or four years later, you know, I go to them and say, do you love your wife, do you love your husband? Yes. Will you pick up your dirty underwear for them? Right? Well, no, I won't do that. I don't know if your marriage is going to last thing, if you don't be faithful in the small things. And you know what the test was for Peter? The, the test for Peter was whether he was willing to stay faithful in the little things that Jesus had asked him. You see, in the moment, Peter makes this big, huge declaration that, Jesus, I am going to die for you. But if you read the story, at least right at this instant, you'll notice something. Jesus never asked that, did he? At this moment. He never asked. Peter to die for him. What did Peter? What did he ask Jesus? What were the? What did he ask him to do? He said, "I need you to remain faithful and watch. I need you to pray." Instead, he fell asleep. He said, "Listen, I I need you 
to, to, to uh, I need you to pray that you don't fall into temptation. Didn't do that, he fell asleep. Later on in the story, Jesus didn't ask him to end it, to fight for him, did he? He asked him to stand with Jesus. You see, in that moment, Jesus knew that Peter had the decision whether I'm going to follow God's plan for my life or Jesus' plan for his life. In this instance, Jesus' plan for his life was for Jesus to go to the cross. And Peter had a decision whether he was going to let Jesus do that or not. Okay? Instead, he chooses to fight. And he fought when he stood and said, You know what, Jesus, I'm going to stand by you, and I'm going to be right by you. Okay? And lastly, he, he had an opportunity where he publicly denied Jesus while still wanting to be near him. Okay? All three of those things, all three of those smaller quote-unquote issues rather than giving his life. And he, never, and he never was able to stand firm on that. And that's why I'm going to tell you that if you and I are going to be faithful in those big moments, those persecution moments or whatever, that you and I need to stand faithful with Jesus. You know, as an illustration, and as purely an illustration, I'll point this out, is a lot of people felt the restrictions were a time of persecution. Okay, so I'll give you that. Let's say it was, right? Do you know that I don't really, based upon how the majority of Christians in North America handled that, I don't think they would survive a real persecution. Because Barna came out with a study that said that during the pandemic, when we were all locked down, when we all had the time to read our Bibles, when we weren't busy, when we, were, when we had all this time, we prayed less, we read our Bibles less, and we actually watched less church. Do you know that the average live stream in North America, where the church, when, the, when everyone was live streaming their service, guess how long the average person watched their church service for? 12 minutes. Okay. Which begs the question, maybe my sermons would be a lot shorter. <laughs> my point is, is that you had this situation in life where everything was restricted, where it, it kind of felt like you were persecuted us, and we weren't, a lot of Christians weren't faithful in the small stuff, reading the Bible, praying, going to church, and all that kind of thing as best as we could, and I just stand there thinking, you know what, in the moment when, when the end times come, or when there's a real sense of persecution, I'm wondering, are we going to, how many of us are going to actually be faithful in that big moment? And it's the same thing with you and I, when you and I are faced with a big moment, whether it's uh, actually dying for Jesus, or suffering, or persecution, or maybe just losing our business, or losing a relationship, or whatever you would define that big moment is, I think in order for you to be faithful in that, you've got to be faithful with the small stuff that God has already placed upon you. So my question for you today is, what are those small things? And are you being faithful in those moments? How would you fare in the big moments right now, based upon how you, God has asked you to be faithful in the smaller stuff, being faithful to your family, praying, loving, whatever he's put before you, whatever is your responsibility, what are the smaller moments, the things that God has asked you to do, that you have been faithful in, you need to do it. So that's the first thing that I would say, is that when you and I are faced with an issue that's big and looming and pivotal, 
And we want to be faithful to God in that. The first thing that we do is we have to be faithful in the small moments. The second thing that I think we need to do, and this is why I love the cross so much, is that we need forgiveness and a second chance. Amen? Amen. Because in Peter's case, he did fail. But there's this really cool verse, and, I, and there's just two words. And it's found in Matthew, or sorry, Mark chapter 16, verse 7. And it's this. And it's these two words, and it says, and Peter. And I never really looked at them before until now, but I am just so blessed that these two words are in there. Listen to what it says uh, going on. This is after the crucifixion and the resurrection, and Jesus has risen from the dead, and then he goes and says this in Mark chapter 16, verse 7. But I need you to go tell the disciples, and who? Peter. That he is going before you to Galilee. There he will see you just as you told. Why did he single out Peter? Why did he just say, I just need to tell you the disciples? That would have included Peter. Why did he say, and Peter? Because Peter knew that Jesus knew that he would have, he would have failed Peter. That when the rooster crowed, rooster crowed, he would have denied him three times. And he knew that Peter needed a second chance. Go tell Peter. Go tell Dan, go tell the disciples and Dan, go tell the disciples and Liz, go tell the disciples and Matt that I've risen from the dead and that I need, and I want you to be a part of that. You see, friends, I believe very carefully that Peter was totally humiliated and he needed forgiveness. And you and I, we need forgiveness too. We need someone who is going to give us forgiveness who is going to give us unconditional love, and what I've, <clears throat> when I've blown it, and when I don't have an excuse, and, and those famous words, and Peter, give us this idea that Peter was given a second chance. Why did, why did he single Peter? Because Peter needed to have a second chance. Go tell the disciples. Go tell us. And you know what, friends? That's the cross in a nutshell, isn't it? As we enter into Easter... Easter is that time where Jesus gives us that and fill-in-your-blank name circumstance. That you can be forgiven that no matter how many times that you and I have been uh, messed up or we make mistakes or we've blown it or whatever we've done, we, in Jesus there is forgiveness, there is a second chance and there is a third chance and there is a fourth chance. That's how Peter was able to eventually be faithful in that big moment. When the time came, when he was faced with, do I deny Jesus or end my life, he did eventually get to the place where he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful. But I rested upon the fact that he was forgiven. And I love that. So going forward through today, I would just ask you to remember that Peter's story that there will be times when you will be tested in a big way. But remember to be faithful in the small stuff. And remember that Jesus offers forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Colleen, why don't you come up here and close this? Song?